Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Reviewing the Sam has got hiccups Grand Prix. Sorry. It's an absolute belt. <laughs> this could be an interesting one, folks. It's really good. Uh, we have got a Grand Prix to review, the third one of the year. We go. <laughs> sorry, everyone. You have to meet yourself, Sam. I, oh, yeah, this, sorry. Yeah, this is gonna. This is gonna be tough. This is gonna be a tough one. Next forty minutes, everyone. Um, yeah. yeah. So, Lewis Hamilton taking the victory ahead of Max Verstappen, and then Valtteri Bottas in third. Lewis Hamilton's second win of the season, extending his championship advantage. So it's one point going into the weekend. It is now eight points following that race win. Really interesting one. Sam, I'll give you a couple more minutes just to see if you do recover. <laughs> Harry, what did you make of it? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, this could be a really interesting 40 minutes. But, um, yeah, as I was saying to you off air, uh, I, it almost felt like it was a, a, a letdown of the race. But it wasn't because I think it was a good race just because we had, we've had two really amazing races to start the start of the season. I think the first half was um, particularly interesting. Um, but, yeah, overall, enjoyed it. Love a bit of Portugal, um, yeah, bit of a roller coaster. But yeah, overall, uh, I'd give it a six and a half out of ten. And that is what everyone has tuned in t- to see. Really, what what, what that <laughs> overall race result was going to be. Uh, Sam, you can we'll, we'll give it. Now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sam, you don't actually have to say anything in the end at all because uh, Harry's actually managed to encapsulate everything in that first thirty. Sure has. You keep breaking late. we'll give it it a go you Sam but I mean moves for the lead at least so there was something to enjoy in that race yeah we bloody love a move for the lead and Ben you've always said it and I've always echoed what you've said in this point that you know as long as we see a threat of a change or a threat of a move or we see some close racing and we got that a lot of the case up and down the field uh, it's exciting that's what we want to see and Portugal appears to be able to deliver that now year on year two years in a row and it's been an exciting Grand Prix both times you're right it wasn't as breathtaking or as thrilling necessarily as Bahrain or Imola was. But it doesn't mean it was a bad Grand Prix. I was very satisfied with that. As the first three Grand Prix going a season, it's delivered. And we've got a real thriller of a season on our hands, it feels like. Um, those two moves from Hamilton were absolutely gorgeous. That sweeping move around the outside on Bottas was a real kind of assertion of dominance. So, you know, I'm still the number one guy here. Not that there's any doubt. And obviously the move down the inside on Max again. Uh, brilliant to see. And then the, the safety car transition that we had, Hamilton caught out, sleeping. Uh, unusual in a Formula One car, but, you know, there it's happened. Um, and Max Verstappen took advantage of that. And I thought then, for a minute, the staff was going to catch up to Bottas and get that move done. And that, that might be game over for, for Lewis. Um, it kept you guessing. And that's what I like about this kind of Grand Prix. They keep you guessing. Uh, I never really knew when that pace is going to drop off, when that pace is going to come back, when we're going to get a move done. And it wasn't just at the front either. And we got to see some of it. Well done, race director. You got a little bit better. We got to see moves on 
you know, Ricardo passing. Alonso decided three quarters of the way through the Grand Prix that he was going to start making overtakes. You know, I'll give you a 40 lap peg start, everyone. Right, I'm coming. Um, and he did a good job and it was good to see. And it's even as far back as Schumacher on Latifi, that was fun to watch. That was a really enjoyable little battle. And I'm glad we actually got to see it take place. Um, so I'm quite happy that we got actual work down the field. It was not just a top four with 10 seconds between them each time, driving around and no action. And then the director doesn't bother to show any midfield. We saw action everywhere. And that's what I want in an F1 race. I want action up and down the field. It doesn't always have to be constant overtakes. It could be close running. It could be an attempt here or there. But we saw it. And that is brilliant. And I, I'm, if you know these first three races are anything to go by, the rest of the season, apart from Catalonia next week, is going to be an absolute treat. So bring it on. I, I would give it a bit more of a six and a half out of ten. I'd probably give it a seven and a half out of ten. I didn't know where that answer was going to end, Sam. <laughs> that, that, Sorry. That kept the, going for ages. The hiccups had stopped for a moment, so I thought, make the most of it. Keep going. Get get the words in. Get the words in. <laughs> what, whilst you can. I mean, we're going to get into the various moving parts of this Grand Prix as we go through this podcast. So we will be looking at Bottas' performance, the performance of the Red Bulls, the midfield as well. Uh, I'd like to start, though, with the race winner, Lewis Hamilton. Not necessarily something we always necessarily need to see in terms of Lewis Hamilton making two overtakes in order to make a win happen. A lot of the time qualifies on pole position and doesn't necessarily need to make the overtakes in order to guarantee the 25 points. So, Harry, what did you make of Hamilton's two moves on Verstappen and Bottas respectively and then his ability to to pull away after that? Yeah, I think um, Brundle said it in commentary. It was kind of classic Hamilton, like Hamilton opportunities, opportunism, opportunism. Yeah, spot That's on. Word. Thank you. English. Um, English. Uh, yeah, he. You know, for the first five or six, seven or eight laps, he looked kind of like he was hanging on to the to Bottas and Verstappen. And then, as the tyres came towards him, as soon as he got the sniff of an overtake, he just did it, which. Uh, yeah, um, we mean we expect it, and it was only because he'd lost out on that safety car restart that he was behind Verstappen, which, um, as Sam said, was unusual. Um, he's not often caught napping, but um, yeah, it was kind of what you expected, and he didn't pull away massively, but he still had a, a, enough of a cushion really for the rest of the race there on in, um, and. You know, it ebbed and flowed. I think the pace. There were times when Max looked quick. There were times when Bottas occasionally looked quick, but. Um, they never really troubled Hamilton from from there on in. So, uh, yeah, he just yeah didn't panic, which we know he wouldn't do, and, and then got the job done. Um, yeah, it was a pretty pretty flawless performance. Well, I say flawless, apart from the safety car restart, but other than that, he was pretty flawless. I think. What did you make of his performance, Sam? This is exactly what I've come to expect of Lewis Hamilton. And that's a silly thing to say, because I think that kind of performance for most drivers is a little bit, you know, that's what you expect at the very top of their game. That is what you expect when they are on one on today. But this for Lewis Hamilton just felt like he just did what Lewis Hamilton does. He, he turned up to the event. At times, it didn't look like he had the fastest car. He realised what his strengths were in that classic tyre wear that we've come to know him well for in terms of conserving his tyres. He gets up behind his opponent's makes that move clinically well. It was so clean on both both occasions. And um, he got the job done. Lewis Hamilton, proving once again why he's the seven-time world champion. And Bottas, for example, isn't isn't the, the, the leader of the team because they've got the same machinery and Hamilton's there able to pull off moves on both Verstappen and his teammate. Well, Bottas gets stuck behind both of them and slowly falls and falls further and further back. So, um to me, this just once again demonstrates why Lewis is where he is and why other people haven't got to that extent. He also just made it look a bit easy, which is just crazy. I just can't believe how simple he makes two different overtakes on the same corner against two of the fiercest rivals in the sport. And he's just there like, yeah, I'm through. See you later. Two seconds up the road now. Bye. And that is just so accustomed for Lewis. It's so normal for Lewis Hamilton to do. That's why he's a seven-time world champ. That's why he's leading the championship again. It was an all-round brilliant performance, apart from being caught napping on the safety car restart, which he very quickly made up for. And that's what you need to see. So, yeah, brilliant performance for the champ. Yeah, I like how you thoughts there. Clinical, made the moves when he needed to. And you're right in what you say, that there was an element of patience about this. And even with that element of patience, he still had the two moves wrapped up with another 46 laps left to go in the Grand Prix. So he somehow managed to be patient with the moves. At the same time, he got everything wrapped up within the first third of the Grand Prix. 
even with five laps under safety car. So he made pretty quick work of, of the of what he needed to do. And, you know, this is this does come back to Mercedes dominance over the last well, not just this year, but you know, Mercedes dominance over the last seven years or so. Um, in that there are so many occasions where Lewis Hamilton goes on to victory and you don't necessarily need to see more than him extending a gap after he's claimed pole position. And today uh, we saw something different. Of course, he didn't get pole position on Saturday. It was Bottas' teammate who did. He lost that position to Max Verstappen at the safety car restart. So at that point, he he needs to make two overtakes if he wants to, if he wants to take the win. And to his credit, both of them happened on track as well. You, you could have, you know, maybe got away with doing one of them under under the pit stops like Verstappen was able to get past Bottas maybe you know that could work in his favor to his credit that like, he didn't need that and he was able to do both on track at the same time and when Bottas and Verstappen were battling for P1 and P2 and Hamilton was about one second behind or so you know you just felt that there was no chance that those two were going to race off into the distance battle for the lead with Hamilton settling for third you always felt like Hamilton has the opportunity to pick these guys off one after the other depending on who's able to get him from obviously Bottas was able to keep the lead ahead of Verstappen and as such it was it was Verstappen who was the first target and and Bottas who was the second target but this is this almost it's almost like a top premier league striker kind of thing where you need to be clinical. Sometimes you only get two chances, and you need to make them both count, which is which is what he did. He had one op- you know, he gave himself an opportunity to overtake Bottas, nailed it at the first time. Had an opportunity to overtake Verstappen, nailed it at the first time. It, it's that clinical display that we've come to expect from Lewis Hamilton, and there's just no there's no element of surprise about it because even though it is incredibly impressive, it's just something we've become so accustomed to seeing from him. So. I, I think it was an incredibly impressive performance to to go from third place at the beginning of the race to first place and to the point where your two nearest rivals feel there's no chance of winning that they can pit to go for the extra point for the bonus point fastest lap. To go from that point to that point, it's pretty impressive 66 laps work for him. And to focus a little bit more on, on Valtteri Bottas, because he did claim pole position, something we've seen him do plenty of times. He did have the lead at the beginning of the Grand Prix and has ended up finishing third place. You know, he's gone from lap 19 in the lead to lap 66, taking the fastest lap point, but he's down in third. So I mean, what did you make of his demise in the Grand Prix, I guess you could say, Harry? Um, yeah, I mean, first of all, I think that's easily his best performance of the season um which is a lot yeah i know it's not a great thing but um yeah i I mean it's more on the form of bottas we've become accustomed to uh in both senses of the word that he's really quick but then can't convert it on a sunday um yeah look it just just it just doesn't work out for him he he is he's there isn't he he's there or thereabouts he just can't find. I think he was on Verstappen's pace, really, and he, you know, he got done by the undercut, um, and obviously had that issue with the engine later on. But he, I think he's there or thereabouts. He's just not quite got that last little sort of little bit of speed or consistency during a race that Verstappen and Hamilton have, and it just it hurts him every time. Um, yeah, it was almost like watching the twenty twenty Portuguese GP. It was almost exactly the same. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess he can take some. Apart from the fact it was a better weekend, but look, he yeah he just doesn't quite have the yeah doesn't quite have that last little bit to to make it count, um, which will hurt. But I don't know what else he can really do uh, to to rectify that. I think he he has to have a race where something goes wrong for Hamilton and Verstappen for him to really you know capitalize and win. So. Um, yeah, I, I'm sure you won't be very happy about it, but at least it was slightly more encouraging. Yeah, and I guess silver lining, at least from the team's standpoint, is that if Bottas is being positioned as that second driver versus Perez as Red Bull's second driver, then Bottas did claim four more points than, than Perez did out there today. Um, Sam, I was just looking at Bottas from P1 to P3, what did you make of um, his good start but not able to capitalise? Bottas did a great job up until the last 10% of the entire weekend. In practice, he was threatening. He looked the faster of the two drivers. But I think most people will look at a team and go, oh, 
one driver seems consistently faster than the other the whole way through practice and then gets pulled in qualifying. But when your teammate is Lewis Hamilton, it seems like when Lewis is behind Bottas, I can always think there's a chance here that Lewis is going to go on to achieve something. There is a chance that a move can be made. There's a chance that an overtake will be tried. When Bottas falls behind, we so rarely see Bottas go on the counter, go on the offensive, try and take those positions back. It so rarely comes back the other way that it's almost a bit defeatist. And um, Harry, you make a very good point a minute ago. You said the, the line, a kind of, you know, it doesn't seem to happen for him. Well, it doesn't seem to happen for him. And you know, it only got to happen for you enough times until you need to kind of look at your, yourself, your own ability. Bottas is a brilliant driver, but is he a good enough driver to be in that top spot now? Because... I think Bottas needs to start more looking over his shoulder rather than looking forward. Howard and Verstappen very much seem to be very comfortable. They're in a bit of a league of their own at the moment. They are the two challengers. There's no doubt about it. That poor start from Bottas has already put him at such a disadvantage that I can't really see him mounting a massive challenge against those two again, unless they both DNF for some reason. Um, Perez, on the other hand, is becoming more and more comfortable in that Red Bull. Yes, he claimed more points today than Perez, but that's not to say that Perez, over the time period will not become more and more comfortable. More tracks might suit that Red Bull, and Perez might be able to maximise that. Again, also behind him currently, Lando Norris. That McLaren is no slouch. I can't believe I'm saying this, the fact that maybe another team, the fifth-place driver at the moment, could be the guy to attack Bottas, who is in the car that's currently leading the championship. But I think it's a realistic possibility. There will be certain tracks where I think Norris will have the capability to challenge Bottas if Bottas isn't on his absolute premium come a race weekend. Um, going from first to third for any driver is never good enough. It once again wasn't good enough for Bottas. If we're going to talk selfishly for Bottas, he is not doing what he needs to do to cement himself as a title challenger. And we're only the third race in. We've got another 20 to go, so he's got time to rectify it. But I did make a bold prediction, prediction a little while ago that he won't win another race. I'm standing by that. I just don't think he's got that grittiness in him at the moment to snatch that victory away from now. Two challenges. It's not just Hamilton. It's Hamilton and Verstappen, two different cars, two different builds, strengths on either either area. I just can't see it happening for Valtteri, unfortunately. Um, and I think this demonstrates it very clearly today. Um, yeah, I've, this might be slightly peculiar because I I think I stand up for Valtteri Bottas more than the average person does. You do. Um, you do. Is the average if, person Sam? <laughs> well, if the average person was Sam, then I'd love I'd love to know what the critical version of that is. But. Um, <laughs> If, if we're looking at the first two races, Bahrain, I was somewhat, somewhat understanding. I think when, you know, the pace was pretty similar once Bottas had got out, once Bottas had clean air, he had pretty similar pace to Verstappen and Hamilton. So I was able to at least cut him a little slack based on that. Imola, not a good performance, obviously. But again, I did offer him a little bit of slack because in the wet, there weren't many overtakes that happened without the DRS. He couldn't get past Stroll. Maybe he should have done, but I don't think it was criminal that he didn't. And actually, what here, you've said Harry is his best performance of the year so far. I'm actually ironically going to be the most critical about him today compared to the first two races because I, yeah, I really Harry, don't think idiot. it was a very... I, I, I don't think it was a good performance. Um, firstly, if we're looking at the... Let, let's look at the two overtakes that happened on him. And, you know, I always I always say that if there is a driver or two drivers in this instance who are constantly within your DRS range and that never stops, your pace probably isn't equivalent to the guys behind because we know how difficult it is to stay within DRS of the driver in front for laps at a time. You know, we've we've often seen where the chasing driver will catch up and they'll they'll be behind them for a couple of laps and they can't get past and they kind of drop back a bit after that point because they just can't maintain that. What we saw today, particularly with Hamilton but also with Verstappen, was that they were just able to stick within one second of Valtteri Bottas, which more often than not implies that actually your pace is inferior to the guys behind you. And once they get past, you're not going to be able to to stay within the DRS range as they could. And that proved to be true. Once Hamilton got past, I think Bottas had one lap of DRS before he was outside the one second zone. And after that point, you know, two, three, four seconds, it, it was a done deal. Similarly with Verstappen, you know, you, you, they, they were tucked in quite close behind in that first stint. Once Verstappen got past, even with Bottas's slight resurgence in the second half of the race, he still didn't really threaten that position all that much. So, you know, I, I think once 
Verstappen and Hamilton, who I actually think had pretty similar pace overall. Once they were able to get past Bottas, they were able to show what they were truly about. And Bottas just wasn't quite there overall. Uh, and to look at the two, two overtakes specifically, I don't actually think he handled either particularly well. Firstly, the Hamilton one. Of course, it is same machinery, which you know doesn't look great on the driver being overtaken. Um, you know, and ultimately, and this, to be honest, this shouldn't be specifically aimed at Bottas. This is actually aimed at the entire grid because going down into turn one, I think everyone quite naturally, because by default, everyone just defends the inside line. It doesn't work at that first corner. And I'm not saying that it would absolutely definitely work to defend the outside into turn one. But surely it's worth a go because once you go on the inside defensively there, you just have to, Martin Brunnell made this point quite a few times, you have to slow down so much in order to make that corner and also not hit the car on your outside that it just doesn't quite work. I'd I'd like to have seen Bottas maybe try the outside, but I won't be too critical on him on that because pretty much every driver defending did the same thing. But the one on Verstappen I want to focus on a bit more specifically because it appeared as if the Red Bull could not compete with the Mercedes on the straight, which led me to the conclusion that the only way that Verstappen is going to get past is either A, get the undercut, or B, Bottas make a mistake. Arguably both happened. Um, You know, the the mistake thing, it was cold tyres, so again, I won't be too critical on that. But the actual move going down into turn five, I think it is, um, you know, I would love to have seen a Kimi Raikkonen-esque attempt at a cutback from Bottas. It it seemed very... uh, yeah, you've got it, mate. I, there's, there's not much I'm going to do. You're never going to hang it around the outside of Verstappen who's diving up the inside there. So you might as well, even if it doesn't work, try a switchback. I'd like to have seen more fight, really, from Bottas in both of the moves that were attempted on him. I don't think he was there on either of those overtakes. I don't think his pace was great once he was in fresh air. And I'm, I'm leading to the conclusion, I'm going to ask you both on this now, that this is very much Verstappen versus Hamilton. And whilst I can see Bottas picking up a win or two this season... I don't think it comes from from out, you know, just pace and pace alone. I think I think it would require something else to happen, uh, and and to be honest, that might include Perez as well. I think that one's a bit more of a TBC. But I, w- I do want to throw that question over to you. So, Harry, do you think that Verstappen and Hamilton are just going to run away with this championship, and any wins outside of those two guys are going to be from circumstances that aren't expected? Um, yeah, I mean. I think I made that point earlier. I think if Bottas gets a win this year, it's going to be—it's not going to be on outright pace. It's going to be something's happened to to Verstappen and Hamilton. Um, so yeah, I think, and I think we we kind of guessed that Verstappen and Hamilton they would be the main two. I had, I mean, I say hopes. Uh, I, I guess there were hopes that after Saturday, after qualifying, I was like, oh, let's throw a third person into this uh, into this championship fight because that'll be excellent. But. Um, Going by today, I don't think it's going to happen. So yeah, I'd have to say I have to agree with you, Ben. I think it's going to be Hamilton versus Verstappen. It's it's like you know Schumacher, Hakkinen, Senna, Prost, that kind of thing, isn't it? That there's no one else is going to catch up to those two at the moment. So yeah, so, sorry, sorry, Botty. What what do you reckon, Sam? Do you think that this is? Do you think there is a chance that twenty three out of twenty three could go to these two guys? If reliability stays as strong as it has been for both of these teams, especially in Mercedes' case, reliability has always been a real strength of theirs. Red Bull need to improve it a little bit, but clearly have been. Then, yeah, I really do think that we could be trading race wings until the end of the season between Hamilton and Verstappen. Um, I have said a few times now, I've already said it in this podcast once, I don't think Bottas wins again in his career. And if he does win again, that is simply because... They've taken each other out. There's been a serious disaster with both of those teams at once. I don't think he can beat Hamilton and Verstappen together on the same on the same field. He'd have to have one of them DNF and then one of them have some kind of problem for him to have a chance. And I think that says a lot about the demise of Bottas's form over the years. A couple of years ago, it felt like we were saying Bottas is a threat. Bottas is the chance. Bottas is the one that could come along and change something. Now he's a kind of a heavy doubt if he can even score one wing on pace in a season. I think when those doubts set in from fans of the sport like we are, that says a lot about maybe what the motorsport community are saying. Because if all three of us agree on that point, then, you know, we're, we're, we're all quite fair, I think, in our opinions. Never joking or laugh, but I like to think we base our opinions on realistic results, tried and tested formulas, we give it time. And that's showing now in Bottas' form. It's not good enough and it's not consistent enough. So, 
yeah, I don't think he wins again unless Hamilton and Verstappen both DNF. And he's got a combat Perez and possibly Norris. Um, that McLaren still looks pacey and Perez is improving with every single race we saw today. He was still well off it, but give it another two or three races, Perez could be there as well. And that is trouble for Bottas. So for now, Bottas doesn't win again unless absolute disaster strikes at the top two. Yeah, I, I think Verstappen and Hamilton will walk away with this. I, I do think there are opportunities for 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 sorry for Bottas and for Perez and maybe someone else to take a take a win or two. Um, just because specifically with Bottas, we know that he does have his specialist circuits in Russia, Austria specifically. So I think it, he could you know get it together for one of those weekends. We know how good Valtteri Bottas is in qualifying. So if he's able to hook together a lap at say. Monaco or a similar circuit where it's really difficult to overtake then maybe that leads to a win so I still think there are a few opportunities out there for Bottas but it's going to be very difficult to take wins away from from those top two and you know Bottas in the last couple of years you know it's it's been up and down in terms of his form but largely speaking it hasn't mattered too much what his form has been because you know particularly 2019 and 2020, they haven't really had a rival to, to challenge them. Now they're in a position where Bottas doesn't just need to be good for his own sake. He needs to be good for Mercedes' sake as well because they have got Red Bull knocking on the door. And if he does turn in, starts to turn in sort of P4 performances, as we say, he beat Perez today, which I guess is objective A ticked. But, you know, as Perez gets used to the car, is he going to come under threat regularly by him? He needs to perform for the sake of the team as well as you know, as well as himself. Driver of the day, Harry, who have you got for this one? Um, I am going to give it to... I'll give it to... Oh, I don't know. I'm going to give it to Fernando Alonso. Because <laughs> uh, I think Hamilton would be... He's an obvious choice, Titan Wachamp. Um, but uh, Alonso apparently remembered who he was halfway through the race um, <laughs> and overtook most of the midfield and then only ended up a couple of seconds behind Ocon and I think after yesterday that's a yeah it's what we expected from Alonso so I mean Ocon also had a very solid weekend I have to say um, but yeah I'll give it to Alonso Hamilton of course it was as we already said pretty flawless um, and also honourable mention to Mick Schumacher for doing a Williams um, I didn't actually realise that my little Schumacher fanboy he's, he's still here because I was cheering at the telly as he was getting a 17th place. So, um, yeah, uh, it, it was good. To, that was a good little battle aside. Um, you know, and he beat Mazepin by a minute, which is pretty pretty substantial. So, um, but yeah, I'll go for Alonso. But a, a lot of good drives through the field. Oh, and Norris as well. Another solid effort from him. But I'll must stop have, now. <laughs> it, it must have been strange for uh, Mick Schumacher because he must do like 90% of his driving in his mirrors just looking at the cars <laughs> waiting, you know, ready to lap him. So it must have been very odd to actually look forward for once mm. and actually see a car in front um, that is slower than him. Sam, who have you got? Uh, Harry mentioned all the right names there. Uh, Alonso was brilliant. Ocon, massively underrated this weekend. I'm, I was surprised at how consistently solid Ocon was this weekend. Great qualifying performance. Under the radar in the race, you know, wasn't absolutely breathtaking, but brought home good points for an Alpine team that has struggled. Um, I think you make a very good point with Fernando. We love seeing Fernando try and carve his way through the field. That's always a brilliant sight. It's Fernando alongside, right? It's spicy. We love it. Um, I think both Ferrari boys did a really good job. It was really good to see them actually having a challenge, but Norris stood out in that midfield. And Norris was, I think, brilliant all round. But uh, Lewis Hamilton is driver of the day. Um, apart from that court napping at, um, at the safety car restart, I think he was absolutely flawless. And what impressed me even more so was he was so quickly able to make up for that mistake as well. And then just comfortably uh, put, put his dominance onto the race after taking the lead. Takes the championship league even further after this one. Asserts why he might be eight-time world champion at the end of the season. This was the kind of performance he needs to bring every single weekend to beat Max Verstappen, and he did it convincingly. So Lewis Hamilton, driver of the day. Yeah, there were a lot of good performances up and down the field, but for me, there are two that stand out above the rest quite clearly. Um, and for me, they, they have been the two best drivers of the season so far, quite comfortably, actually. Lewis Hamilton and Lando Norris. Um, I'm actually going to give it to... Lando Norris on this one. Lewis Hamilton was very nearly flawless. The only thing that let him down was the safety car restart. 
I struggled to find any fault in what Lando Norris did out there today. And the one thing that I will say uh, about Lando Norris specifically, and we might get into this as we go through the podcast, but um, the hard tyre, for whatever reason, was an absolute belter. Everyone who put on the hard tyre really benefited from it. Charles Leclerc was behind Carlos Sainz after the pit stops. Leclerc went on the hard tyre. Sainz went on the medium tyre. Leclerc finished comfortably ahead. Alonso was very good on the hard tyre. Ocon was around Gasly and Vettel when he came in for the pit stops. Ocon went on the hard tyre. He finished well inside the top 10. Vettel and Gasly dropped down and they weren't anywhere near Ocon at the end of the race. So I think those who were on the hard tyre benefited greatly from that. Lando Norris was not on the hard tyre. He had to do the second stint on the medium tyre, yet he was still able to keep those on the hard tyre behind him, which I thought was incredibly impressive. The only time his position was in any threat was from Carlos Sainz straight after the pit stops, and he he passed that test with flying colours. So, Lando Norris, another faultless performance from him. Worst driver of the day, Harry. I mean, can I just say before I do that, the official driver of the day, I mean, this is the official one, obviously, but the F1 driver of the day, they've given it to Checo. Sorry, you're having a Tim Bath there, aren't you? What are the fans voting for? Started fourth and finished fourth. Congrats, Checo. And was, was for a lot of the race, 10 seconds behind. Sorry, come on. I don't know what that's about. Anyway, um, first driver of the day, I will give it to, uh, I'll give it to Kimi Raikkonen. He was so good here last year, and this year, no good. He, he Giovinazzi absolutely did him in quality. It was about six tenths or something, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, so that was bad to start with, and then because he didn't like it, he decided to drive into the back of him on lap one. Go <laughs> have that, Italian Jesus. Yeah, yeah, boom, have some of that, son. It was so such a weird one. Like, yeah, yeah. anyway, so it was a pretty poor weekend. I know, wait, did Kimi miss FP1 or did Giovinazzi miss FP1? Uh, I think it was Gio. Oh, that's even worse then. Yes, yeah, so, I'm mean, Kimmy. Sorry, mate. <laughs> we love you, but that was terrible. Terrible all round. What? Sam, who have you got? Uh, excluding Nikita Mazepin from this situation, because my <laughs> lord, is that boy bad at driving an F1 car? This feels like the first time in a long time we've had someone who is just categorically bad and just slow. There's Nick Schumacher is not a good car, but he's there overtaking Latifi, and he's only a few seconds behind Russell, who he saw what he could do on the Saturday before he had some gremlins, as uh, Brundle likes to put it in the car. Um, Schumacher's challenging. He's having a bit of fun. He's having a fight, which is brilliant. Uh, and Nikita is clearly one second a lap slower than his teammate to be one minute behind after 60 laps, which is pretty shocking. Pretty shocking. In terms of people who are actually racing in a competitive format for the rest of the F1 grid, uh, it's finally happened, folks. Valtteri Bottas is the worst driver <laughs> today. Um, <laughs> hey, we, yeah, we got to the third race of the season. Who had race three, folks? Who had race three? Well done, everyone, to hold out for that long. Um, a cookie coming your way. Uh, obviously, you start, you start in pole position and you end up being absolutely mugged off by your teammate around the outside in one attempt. And then to be switched back on like that by Max Verstappen and not even covering the insides going down to that hairpin. It's just, just feels like a rookie error. Where's your challenge? Where's your fight? Where's your determination? I've come into this season with a new mindset. I'm going to be more aggressive and selfish. Okay, I'll just finish third again. Nice one, Valtteri. It's getting boring. Do more about it. Didn't like it. You're the worst person today. (laughs) (laughs) I... I'm not going to give it to Valtteri Bottas. Um, for me, there were, again, actually two contenders for this one. Uh, firstly, I'm not going to give it to him, but I think on most weekends I would have done. Uh, Yuki Sonoda, he, he was just absolutely nowhere this weekend. Absolutely uh, baller, I think you mean. Absolute baller. No, he, he was, was nowhere. nowhere. He was literally he was nowhere. nowhere. I checked my kitchen to see if he was preparing another <laughs> if he was if he was preparing another dive bomb, but apparently he wasn't intending on doing that this weekend. And I, I don't know what the end... Delta was, but he was a long way behind the rest of the midfield on today. So he's a contender. Uh, but for me, worst driver of the day was Nikita Mazepin. Um, I, as Considering how bad the Haas is, and it is very, very bad, he has two jobs. Job one is to stay close to your teammate. And job two is to get out of the way of the fast cars when they come past you. He's 0 for 2 on that today, which isn't very good. Um, so, I mean, yeah. You, you can't. He didn't spin. He didn't. That's I'm very sorry. Good, if your consolation point. is he didn't spin, <laughs> goodness me! I 
you I can't believe I'm having to say this sentence, but you shouldn't be a minute behind your teammate. Yeah. Also, you should get out of the way of the fast cars. <laughs> it's the bloody leader of the race at that time. And he's there like, oh, he, where, I, where am I going? It's like watching my grand drive around the Asuka car park. Perez versus Mazepin. Well. <laughs> Sensational. Sagoga's <laughs> um, in the boot. <laughs> Why? <laughs> anyway, Answer? no idea. Anyway, uh, two jobs that he has to do, and he successfully did zero of them. So he gets worst driver of the day for me. Um, and lastly, moment of the race. Uh, what have you got for this one, Harry? Uh, I will go for um, when Lewis Hamilton said on the radio, my tyres are shot, my tyres are shot. <laughs> and then he said, fastest lap. Two hours later. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh. this is a vintage, a vintage Hamilton comment, which uh, I think summed up the race that, you know, he might have felt like he was struggling, but he's still bloody quick. So, uh, yeah, I'll go for that one for me. Best moment for you, Sam? There is a part of me when Lewis says that. He almost does it now for the memes. He's almost like, <laughs> I'll chuck him one of these. You know, they'll love yeah, it out there. In the yeah. Best fans, I can't wait to hear this one again. Bongo, the tides have gone again. Wink, wink. <laughs> oh, wait, I've just driven around the earth faster than Mazepin's gone around one corner. Absolutely. Sorry, I've just seen Ian drop some chicken onto my bloody carpet over here. That is ridiculous. Scenes in the in the London household. Um, yeah. Moment of the race is Ian dropping chicken on my new rug. Absolutely yeah. nasty. We'll have words later, you and me. Ian's a cat, folks, if you're new to the podcast. It's not a middle-aged man. Um, so, yeah, moment of the race. Um, it, was, it was that period of uh, Hamilton absolutely doing both his rivals, Verstappen and Bottas. It was clean. It was executed brilliantly. We've said how, you know, Ben, you made that great point earlier about, you know, you should defend to the inside, you should defend to the outside. You know, drivers should know what they're doing. doesn't matter for Hamilton. He goes down the inside of one, makes it brilliantly, work brilliantly, goes around the outside of the other. Um, I think that sets up the rest of the season as to what we're expecting to see from both of these guys at the top. It was absolutely fantastic. I really enjoyed the Grand Prix. Uh, I'm going to go with... Mick Schumacher making an overtake. Um, mm. it, you know, it's just a real feel-good moment that you don't often get in Formula One. Um, you know, it's I know it's his rookie season, so he's going to be buoyed by just being in Formula One for the time being, but it must be difficult being in a car that is that slow. So to at least have the opportunity to overtake a car that isn't his teammate, um, you know, not only have the opportunity to do it, but then actually execute it as well. It was a nice move from him. So, um, yeah, fair play. And hopefully that gives him gives him the confidence in the next few races to just to just do his best this season. You know, he's not he's not going to be able to do much in that car. But as long as he's able to show things like this, he'll, he'll be set. Oh, honourable mention for Lance Stroll doing three years on the soft tyre. <laughs> Did no one tell him that he didn't need to do that? And that's Lance, very come into the pits, mate. Lance, please come into the pit. Lance. I, just love, I, I love these tyres, man. I love them. Lance, <laughs> please come into the pit. Safs are great. They're the colour of the Canadian flag. Lance, <laughs> please come into the pit. Shut up, Brad. <laughs> I love Brad. Oh, oh Brad. Brad. Poor guy. Poor guy. Brad stands. Um, we are the Brad fan club over here. <laughs> Uh, Poor bread. <laughs> bread <laughs> Why? His name's Brad. Put it. Put it. Just call it Brad. <laughs> oh, it's good times. Right, so, safe to say we're moving on from this. Um, <laughs> driver of the day, without a doubt, was Sergio Perez, who managed to climb his positions from P4 up to the lofty heights of P4. So, Sergio Perez's performance, what did you make of it, Harry? Uh, it was... Uh, it's the best... Again, it's like Bottas. It's kind of the best he's done all season. Um, but you can, I think you can forgive that more for um, Perez because he's only been in that car for three races. Uh, like it's, it's getting closer to where Red Bull need him to be. Um, it's not still not close enough. But, you know, we were starting to see glimpses of what Red Bull can do with two two cars in the game. I know Perez was a pit stop behind when Hamilton was closing in on, in on him. But they left him out there just to be annoying, didn't they? Um, it that kind of came the, I mean, yeah, it wasn't that annoying. But you, you, get, you see what they were trying to do. But, um, yeah, his start was where it all fell apart. And 
I thought, <laughs> obviously, he fell behind um, signs at the start, and I thought, oh. Uh, and then he got pat- back past him, and I thought, oh, this is great. He'll be in the mix now. And then Norris did him like a corner later, and then he stuck behind Norris for, for the you know next 20 laps. So, um, yeah, he just needs to make sure he's still in the mix once the you know the race is underway, and I think he'll get there. I think it's getting there for Perez. He can't do that all season because it won't be good enough, but slowly but surely he's getting on the pace that they, they need him to be. And if he is there giving Bottas a headache, then I think that's that's a good situation for Red Bull to be in. Good performance today from, from Perez, Sam? Yeah, I know we're talking about today, but I just want to mention Saturday. Qualifying is Jeffrey Perez's worst part of his overall weekend. I mean, he's not got a bad part, I don't think. He's pretty good all round, but Saturdays are definitely the bit where he struggles. And the fact that he's pretty much on pace with Max Verstappen at the moment. I know Verstappen didn't have a perfect qualifying, but Perez is there. This is what we wanted from Albon and Gasly wearing that red ball seat, to be sat right next to Verstappen, lined up on the grid. And pretty much every race, other than the first one, so two out of three so far, where you expect it to be, he's been right there next to Verstappen, if not better. So, this is good from Perez. Um, the race performance was a little bit tricky. He had a fast-paced Carlos Sainz on soft tyres behind him. This track is a real tough one. So when you're starting on those medium tyres, he was the first victim, so to speak, of a soft tyre running in behind. And we know that Sainz clearly likes it round here. Uh, go back and watch our race review last year, which had one of us standing on our feet shouting at the TV. Guess who? Um, it was good. He is good round here. And, you know, Perez, yes, he fell victim to that move from Sainz and then... Sorry, Lando Norris going around the outside as well. What an absolute belter of a move oh, that was. Filthy. Oh, Bloody hell, that was absolute. That might be move of the season. You know, we'll have to come back to that. But that was gorgeous stuff. Um, not relevant to this conversation. And I think at Red Bull, you know what? It's a bit of a party atmosphere going on in the Red Bull garage. I think that they could be very happy with how it's going. If this is bad for Checo, give him three, four races. I think we're going to see this improve. And I, this is why I'm nervous for Bottas. I think Perez, once he's fully settled and he's got to grips with the car and we're on more familiar tracks. Remember, two of the three tracks have only raced at for two years. Perez hasn't got to grips with the new track and a new car, essentially. That's tricky to do. So I'm going to kind of give Perez a bit of the benefit of the doubt. When we get to maybe Catalonia, where he's very used to it, or maybe more of the familiar European circuits, I think Perez is going to start to come alive a little bit. And I'm... I'm Feeling positive about the direction that he's going in. Not perfect, but it's definitely going in the right direction. I think this is a really, really positive start for Red Bull on both sides of the garage. I mean, what what I would love to see, and I don't think this would be the most entertaining thing in the world, but what I would love to see is Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez go back to Portimao tomorrow, just those two, and do 66 laps around racing each other. And I just want to see how much faster, or if he is indeed faster, like how much faster Max Verstappen is from Sergio Perez and see what it's like per lap. Because I don't think any of the first three races, we've actually got an opportunity to see what their pace is like head-to-head. Some of them has been due to Perez's fault, some of them has not been. Um, you know, whether it's been rain in Imola or it was the uh, formation lap... Um, you know, car problems he had in Bahrain or here where he was stuck behind a couple of cars. We just haven't really seen Verstappen versus Perez head to head, same strategy. What have you got? And I'd love to see that because I really don't know how they stack up. You know, today, you know, Perez got stuck behind a couple of cars. It was his own fault that he did. But once he got free, um, you know, he was uh, very roughly speaking about 10 seconds behind uh, Verstappen and Bottas's fight in front. And at that point, because I thought Verstappen was being somewhat held up, his pace was somewhat compromised from Bottas in front, whereas Perez had clean air and he could he had no one in front of him. So at that point in the race, I was like, OK, considering those two things, I'd like to see Perez match Verstappen's pace here because I think Verstappen is somewhat compromised. So I'd like to see him match and he couldn't. Verstappen was still quite comfortably quicker than Perez at that point in the Grand Prix. But even that point of comparison was marred because it turned out that Perez was actually going four years on his tyres compared to Verstappen, <laughs> who was pitting in the next sort of five, ten laps. So, you know, you could that could explain it somewhat, that Perez was maybe managing his tyres more than Verstappen was at that point in the Grand Prix. Hence why I would just love to see them on the same track at the same time with the same strategy. I still don't think we've seen it. Um, I actually think Perez was slightly unlucky because I think his strategy did not work at all um, in that 
You know, I can understand, I can completely understand it. Going into the Grand Prix, there was real a real uncertainty as to what the best strategy was. Everyone knew it was a one stop, but what sort of a one stop was it? Was it using the soft tires? Was it using the hard tires? Were you should you go long on the mediums like Perez did? A lot of questions, and no one really had the answers. It became clear as we went through the race. The hard tire is a very good race tire compared to the other two, which Perez didn't utilize. In an ideal world, if if the soft tire was as good as the guys thought it was going to be, Perez could go on those medium tires for 40, 45 laps or whatever it would turn out to be, then go on the soft tires to the end of the Grand Prix where he would be quicker than the guys in front and he could make an impression. The, the you know the strategic thinking was sound. The problem is that's not how it went, and actually. The soft tyre didn't really prove to be much of an advantage at all on the hard tyre. Um, so what what ended up happening was rather than conceding that and going on to hard tyres where he'd have no chance of making an impact, they left him out there for way longer than he needed to just to see if a safety car would come about. It obviously didn't um, because at that moment there was just no strategic advantage to him going on to the hard tyres. So... I do think he was somewhat unlucky with how it all panned out. And I think in a more standard race where softs are as good as they should be, I think they could have made something of it, but it didn't happen for him today. Uh, and lastly, we'll move on to Alpine because after a, a tough couple of races, didn't perform particularly well in Imola. They did scrap a few points, but a lot had to happen in front of them in order for them to get those points. They seem to have more about them in, in Portugal. They both ended up in the points, even with Alonso starting outside the top 10. So, uh, Sam, do you think that there is any chance at all they can get in on the fight for, for third place or fourth place? No, to be completely blunt about it. Um, yes, it was definitely a more positive weekend for Alpine. I think it was great that we could see them up there in the stronger side of the points, both drivers challenging. But Portimao is a bloody tumble dryer of mystery when it comes to what could happen at that Grand Prix. Uh, put that on a notebook if you want it, folks. Um, you literally <laughs> don't know what you're pulling out of there after the 90-minute cycle was finished, you know, uh, rain, tyres don't work, the soft tyres don't make any sense, the hard tyres the best race tyre, you know, what's going on? It's all falling out, you know, the buzz is going off and you're all disorientated, and Fernando Alonso is overtaking you all of a sudden. It doesn't make any sense. Um, so I definitely you think can that say that again. To... <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that they were very much able to capitalise where other drivers were struggling. Ocon was solid, but he wasn't breathtaking. Uh, and I just think that McLaren and Ferrari just definitely feel more comfortable in those upper echelons of the points. When Mercedes and Red Bull are off enjoying themselves, it definitely feels like you're walking into a Ferrari-McLaren playing ground and you're the odd one out. Um, you know, when you've got Daniel Ricciardo starting as far back as 16th place, it opens up another spot in those top areas to challenge with. Ocon and Alonso were the ones that are able to take advantage of that. Aston Martin don't seem to have really got their act together properly. I know better, I got better qualifying, but it's not really going their way at the moment. Yuki Tsunoda was nowhere. Gasly wasn't having the best Grand Prix. Kimi Raikin was out. Gio had a good one, but that Alfa Romeo's not there. So I feel like they were there more out of disappointment from other teams and other drivers rather than being there on merit. Um, they had a good weekend and I'm happy for them. I don't think this is going to be a regular, consistent performance throughout the other 20 races that we've got. I do think Ferrari and McLaren are just better, unfortunately, at the moment. They need some big upgrades to see them challenging. Can you see LP making an impression on, on those couple of teams, Harry? I mean, firstly, just to say, uh, Sam didn't have any analogies in our pre-race podcast, but he's come back with a whopper. Come back there, strong. So, yeah, very strong. Had to bring one back. It's like the championship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um... I yeah look I agree with what Sam was saying that I don't think we can base it off this race because uh, it, uh, the tumble drive mystery that is Portimao <laughs> I like that I kind of like it <laughs> so yeah it's uh, it's a tricky one if we get to Spain next week and it's the same they're in the same uh, you know sort of space as McLaren and Ferrari then I think yes we can say that but yeah it's just been an odd one this weekend and. It was about who got the tyre switched on, and that's why you had like Ricardo and Alonso starting so far back, and obviously getting back up into the top ten in the race. But um, yeah, I don't know if Alpine are—they're not quicker than McLaren. But if if anything, if today's anything to go by, which I'm not saying it is, they're definitely getting closer. Um, but 
uh, yeah, I mean the little rocket ship that is Lando Norris is pretty hard to catch at the moment. So um, I'm not sure whether they'll be challenging McLaren. Um, and if Ricardo starts to find some more pace, then yeah, I think McLaren still look like the favourites for that midfield. But at least it was good to see Alpine in that battle today, and hopefully it continues continues next week. Um, yeah, you're both spot on, annoyingly. Um, yeah, <laughs> tumble dryer mystery. It is, the tumble dryer it is a tumble I, I can't argue with it. it. Portimao is so unique in terms of the levels of grip and particularly in terms of the wind as well. It just, it all adds together to make something of an anomaly. And until we see that pace from Alpine at another circuit, potentially Spain next week, I, I find it difficult to say that this is anything more than a, an encouraging sign. I, I, I don't think at the moment it's representative of a pattern. Like I say, if they, if they do the same thing next time out, then my, my opinion changes on this. But until I see that, I, I can't I can't go with that. Um, it was a good race. I, I was particularly excited by what I saw from... from uh, actually, no, I was, I was really impressed with both of them here. You know, Esteban Ocon has come under a lot of scrutiny and he put together a really good performance today. Fernando Alonso, I think his Imola performance was pretty lacklustre, annoyingly. Um, but he was... He was much, much better out there today in the overtakes that he was able to put on. Um, and yeah, he was the, the progress he was able to make. I was, I was really impressed. So yeah, I, I think it was good. But I, I want to see what they do next time out. And just remember that because of Norris's and, and Leclerc's brilliant start to this season, not only do they need to be on a par with these teams, they are at some point going to have to get ahead of them because they are already working on a deficit. So it's, um, I know it's only three races in, but they, they already have uh, points to catch up. All right, I think we'll, uh, we'll leave that there. We'll leave the tumble dryer uh, to one side. We'll let it finish its load. Um, <laughs> and we'll be back next time out for, for another podcast. Sam, if you wouldn't mind getting us out of here for this one. Folks, let us know what you thought of the Portimao Grand Prix hashtag, a tumble dryer of mystery. Uh, follow along on social media, of course. Um, let us know what you thought about it. Where's the title fight going? Has Bottas got a chance? Is Perez able to mount something now? Is he able to really pick up that pace? Is Norris basically going to take McLaren to that third place glory? Can Alpine actually catch up? We'd love to see Fernando do a little dance on a podium at some point. That would be wonderful. Uh, of course, we'll be back in the week for the preview of the Catalonia Grand Prix. We can guarantee you it'll be more exciting than the race itself. So make sure you turn up. Um, and of course, I will also be doing the review of it afterwards at the weekend. Lots of content coming your way. Do like, subscribe, whatever it is. Host us your subscription if needs be if you can't get involved on the internet we'd love to have it um, and we'll of course be here for you every single week in the meantime I've been Samuel Sade I've been Ben Hocking I've been Harry Eaton and remember keep breaking late bye Sports Social Podcast Network with the Lucky Land Slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.